Justice League of America writer Steve Orlando is set to shapeshift the future of the Martian Manhunter series in December. He'll work alongside artist Riley Rossmo, who thrilled fans with his craft on Dark Knight's Metal, Dark Knight's Rising. I've got a lot going on. I won't bore you with the details or trouble myself obfuscating those details on account of my well-documented internet phobia. But just trust me on that. Life stuff, mostly happy. But also the hobbying you handful of people distract yourselves from the gnawing pit of existential doom with at my various poorly trafficked, money-losing avenues of folly. So anyway, I had to go across town for a meeting the other day when my Twitter started blowing up. And to make a long story about me into a longer rant about what me thinks about a thing, there's a new Martian Manhunter maxi-series that I suppose I ought to address. The dudes were nice enough to launch this project on the 20th anniversary of my Martian Manhunter blogging as a gift for me personally. And so I wanted to thank them by overanalyzing the modest details of their announcement from a place of anger, jealousy, resentment, and disappointment until I kill any enthusiasm and the book gets canceled after eight issues instead of its intended expiration date. You're welcome, gents. Try the Zoloft. It helps. I'm one of the olds, so to get a deeper look into this announcement, I naively went to one of the big comic book websites. That's where people who desperately need proofreaders breathlessly drafted clickbait headlines on their smartphones about movie rumors interspersed with dutifully dumping press releases about these comic book things without additional comment. Meanwhile, the Hollywood Reporter's Heat Vision did 1,100 words and posted a wealth of exclusive preview art. I can't overstate enough that Newsarama did 350 words and CBR seemingly less with only one picture. I can't say for sure because of the ad blocker blocker that drives me to any other site but trash fire home of the limp lame both siderism hot take cbr i guess they were busy doing a series of articles about the potential of a mark Wahlberg mile 22 shared universe or listing things alongside an opposing bunch of things suppose i've stalled as long as i can to avoid discussing the actual topic without it being really obvious that i don't really want to do it look when i started the idle head of diablo blog the martian marvel was starring in the jla classified serial ghosts of mars and was announced a co-star in a new series of Batman and the Outsiders. The JLA classified was canceled and not only was Manhunter out of the Outsiders, but the creative team was fired and the material they produced was replaced without ever seeing the light of day. In the 11 years since I started the blog, Jean's been murdered without being avenged, turned into a homicidal zombie, given a bright new start that was terminated within a year, got new 52'd, is no longer a founding member of the JLA, was barely a member of Stormwatch before erasing everyone's memory of his ever having been a member, appeared in an unwanted Justice League spinoff title that was promptly canceled despite launching with 52 very covers, appeared in another unwanted Canadian Justice League spinoff that was cancelled even sooner, and when he finally rejoined the Justice League people care about, there were murmurings he was about to turn evil and finally betray the team. If nothing else good comes out of this maxi-series, it probably means he won't be turning evil. There weren't a lot of people reading the Ostrander Mandrake ongoing series, but most liked it. I was not among them. I criticized that book ceaselessly on DC's message boards, wanting another book, but bought every issue for three years anyway. DC gave me a different book five years later, which was far worse so I didn't buy that one. DC heard my complaint and went another eight years before trying again. I had high hopes for that title, with a promising if unfamiliar writer and a fan-fave style artist. So of course they killed Marsh Manhunter in the second issue and did a year-long adaptation of the 2003 Shyamalan thriller Identity, 62% on Rotten Tomatoes, starring a cross between Forrest Gump and Elephant Man called Mr. Biscuits. That's a series where it turned out everything we knew and liked
leaked about Martian Manhunter was fake news, and that he was really an automaton created through necromancy as a genocide machine against Earth that ended with his becoming a giant anime mech and killing Mars instead or something. I'll be honest, I hated that series the most of all, and I never finished reading it. You might not think it's fair to harshly criticize a book you never finished, but I also never did freeze frames on the walls of John Doe's apartment in 7. I'm pretty sure I got the gist of it, and I knew I didn't want none of that. Point being, I financially supported a lot of Martian Manhunter comics that I did not enjoy, and knew full well I could get cheap as a back issue if I felt compelled to inflict that upon myself. Probably in service to writing a character-centric blog as I watched blogging in general all die around me, and was subsidizing the evidence that none of the effort I was putting into educating the public about John Jones was having any appreciable impact on the quality of his representation in the comics. Whether I speak out against them or I keep silent, they all fail in short order, and the frustrating futility of being a vocal fan crushed the light and life of that very same fandom. Okay, here's another series. It's advertised getting a year, which in today's market is pretty generous, so it's got that going for it. I'm supposed to pontificate on this, but I'm flashing back on all the hours I spent drafting pieces around the months of speculation about whether he would die or be reborn or get his own New 52 series or join a new Justice League International. If you read the blog, you may remember that time I did a run of synopses covering the Image Wildstorm issues of Stormwatch that didn't even feature the characters on the team Jean was on for two whole trade pair backs that was essentially retconned anyway. Why am I still doing this? Why are you listening? The writing of Martian Manhunter on the Supergirl TV show is better than anything in the comics since I've been running the blog, and all those Berlanti shows are horribly written. The best writing overall in the past decade plus was on the DC DTV animated movies, but only when Dwayne McDuffie was still there and he died in 2011. Everything sucks. It's been a soul-wrenching couple of years, and I've got to contend with another Martian Manhunter book that'll probably bum me out and cost me $48 a year, plus I'll feel obligated to buy the trades and maybe even finish covering that damned Williams Barrows series before before the end of the year. Ugh. At least I vented a bunch of the negativity I'd rather not ooze all over a perfectly innocent, until proven guilty, incoming creative team like this was the evil horde slime pit. Now maybe I can approach this subject with some degree of objectivity. After the commercial break. Hello friends, I am He-Man, and I want you to read along as we listen to the adventures of the Masters of the Universe. Get ready for a lot of fun and excitement. Now let's start. I am Dr. G, the man of nerdology and host of the Pulp to Pixel podcasts. In 1982, a universe of space barbarian adventure was bestowed upon me the day I opened my first Masters of the Universe action figure. That figure was He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe. Armed with the mini-comic that came with the figure as a guidebook, I travel to the world of Eternia to defend the secrets of Castle Grayskull from the ruthless schemes of Skeletor. Join us for MotuCast, a He-Man and the Masters of the Universe podcast. On each episode, we will return to the land of Eternia, one mini-comic at a time. Turn the page and unlock the power of Grayskull. Out of a comic book. The Pulp to Pixel Podcasts, exploring the media multiverse of geek culture. He meddled in things 
Forgive me if there's any error, but I'm not doing deep dive research. I'm pulling these dates off Wikipedia. You know how that goes. The New 52 launched on August 31st, 2011. And even though I speculated exhaustively about the presumed certain March Manor relaunch, it never came. However, something with a very strong, bold, new direction flavor involving the New 52 design and continuity arrived four years later on June 17th, 2015 as part of a failed slate dubbed DCU. Y-O-U. Punny. I guess it still counts as the New 52 series, despite its lack of branding as such, since that initiative didn't officially end until May 25th, 2016. That's the date the Rebirth initiative began, course correcting the less popular alterations to return to a still changed, but more familiar DC universe. Rebirth is stated as ending on November 29th, 2017. However, I think John Jones has another late entry into that theme. Per The Hollywood Reporter's Heat Vision, the ambitious new DC Entertainment comic book series from Steve Orlando and Riley Rosmo launches in December. Having read through that article, let me give you my thoughts. Point one, the writer. Real time here. I've barely read anything Steve Orlando has done, possibly only his Vixen special for the Justice League of America launch. So I'm taking it back to grade school with context clues. As people who grew up with too much time and not enough money or want to do, I bought the Virgil graphic novel from Image Comics about three years ago and have yet to read it because I can now afford to throw money down the hole where my unmet childhood wants lies. Dr. Ange from the blog Supergirl Comic Box Commentary seemed fond of Orlando's Supergirl work. His Justice League of America volume, I don't know, seemed like a well-intentioned attempt at diversity. He's been something of a one-man 90s comic book nostalgia machine, and I ain't mad at that. Actually, nobody seems mad at him, which is a minor miracle in this age, at his reception on Wonder Woman stands in stark contrast to James Robinson's. That's heartening. I guess I need to finally sit down with the Martian Manhunter, Marvin the Martian special, and that Tara Smith issue of JLA that have been collecting dust next to the Virgil graphic novel. Regardless, Orlando's obvious affection and great enthusiasm for the character makes me glad, and he stated of Jean that he's always been my favorite character since I was younger. Point two, the artist. I've had a bit more exposure to Riley Rosmo, particularly the grim and gritty first arc on Bedlam. The work there was intentionally rough. I like the more polished and exaggerated artwork we're seeing previewed for this series. I confess that I initially briefly mistook him for Robbie Rodriguez, which should be taken as a compliment. I'm a Bronze Age baby, and I've internalized a lot of that how-to-draw-comics-the-Marvel-way jive, but I appreciate the fun creativity on display in the preview art. Most importantly, it's weird, and John Jones always works better in Portland than in Gotham City, as far as I'm concerned. Point three, the story. We don't know much, but I fancy myself a bit of a Martian detective, so I have some hunches. The easiest, obvious assumption is that Orlando is a fan of the John Ostrander series. He references Ma Alecandra in a tweet, and I'm old enough to recognize the similarities between Orlando's and Ostrander's talking points in pitching their individual series ahead of the launch. Of course, back when Ostrander did it, the comic book news sites actually bothered to interview him. While I like to see Jean go places more iconic heroes can't, I also think writers with no clear affection for the character, like A.J. Lieberman and Rob Williams, have broken the property in pursuit of their wannabe Alan Moore aspirations. Orlando's desire to, quote, fire our best shot across the bow of doing an evergreen story with him, unquote, indicates to me that we're in Man of Steel, Batman Year One, territory, re-establishing the base of the character after literally decades of neglect toward the Samuelson Miller premises, but with a modern twist. We'll get to see Mars and the Jones family perish again, but also more character building on Earth in his life as John Jones, which was treated as something of an afterthought by Ostrander. He was too busy doing a New Gods revival. Orlando's insistence that Jean was too perfect makes me wonder if he'll have a Lieutenant Jim Gordon type arc. 
point four, the characters. Nobody says nothing on this front, but obviously police detective John Jones is back and his female associate is for sure Diane Mead, who I haven't blogged a biography for because um, the patriarchy? It would be nice if Captain Harding got in there, but I wouldn't count on it. More probably a revised Ma'al of Hot will at least turn up in the flashbacks, if not serving as the overall villain. The Martian serial killer MO in the first issue strongly recalls Decay Draz, another female character I've yet to profile on the blog. But is it my fault nobody uses Belgeuse or Cayenne? Point five, the costume is funky. I know Jim Lee's New 52 redesign has not been universally embraced by Manhunter fans, but I like it a lot. And it's been a solid bridge between the classic suit and the Jose Ladron Conehead Hunter that has set the tone for his media adaptations since 2006. As much as I love the Martian Marvel, I really do feel that he was way too basic for the first half century of his existence. I think you lean into the science fantasy, and dressing like casual Friday Hawkman just doesn't cut it. Rosmo brings the stripes, the discs, and the boxer briefs back, but trades in the cape for arm warmers? He's got sleeves, but no shirt. Is he a stripper? Magic Mike? Point six, the politics. DC Comics has teased John Jones as an African-American since the New 52. Not to mention the Daryl Wessel persona in the previous series. Listen, DC needs better representation. And the vast majority of actors that portray Jean in live action and animation have been black. Plus, on the Supergirl TV show, that's the default human race for their Martians. It's about time DC committed to this. But also, we're seeing John as a cop for the first time in the 21st century, and his police badge appears prominently in multiple promotional images while bleeding from the mouth in one. Whether intentional or not, it feels like hashtag Black Lives Matter and hashtag Blue Lives Matter have been threaded into this piece. That's a bold choice, but I like it. Point seven, the Martians. Grant Morrison, perhaps infamously, to my mind anyway, pointed out his theory that one of the reasons Martian Manhunter never caught on, despite much lip service of folks liking him was racism, his otherness, and the cultural imprinting upon him as a result. Jean was at his most successful when he was a white guy in all but coloring, running around as a backup strip in a book starring another white guy and his young ward. Probably his worst selling book was the Others Among Us miniseries, where his alienness was more pronounced. A manifestation of this unconscious racism has been the modern age Martians, a species of shapeshifters being portrayed as naked aborigines of almost universal body type and complexion. It's almost as if as a race they all went, I'm gummy, damn it. All the greens and all the whites look the same within their racial type. An odd thing given it was the aforementioned Morrison who reintroduced the white Martians. For the first time since the Silver Age, Rosmo is depicting Martians with varied appearances and leaning more heavily on the shape-shifting than any artist before him. And without doing another H.R. Giger, H.P. Lovecraft, xenophobic grift. Point eight, the expressiveness. Another element that may have hurt Jean since the Bronze Age is the tendency to let the beetle brow do all the work. I remember reading years ago that Japanese audiences had largely rejected Western-style comics in part because our characters were too realistic and inexpressive, where an obvious hallmark of manga and anime is its embracing broader, more cartoonish expressions of personality. Rosmo's preliminaries look like a Pixar character sheet, and after I got over the initial shock, I approved this outreach. Maybe now nitwits can stop dismissing Jean as stiff and boring. Point nine, whatever that red creature is. Orlando has referenced Perilandra on Twitter, which is derived less from Ostrander than his original source, C.S. Lewis. Perilandra is Venus, a planet not represented among the solar syndicate of Silver Age criminals from the Sol system. Ron Mirsavis from another Mars-centric story, but I'd love to see more of their interaction with the rest of the solar system's unearthly inhabitants. Point ten, the tone influences. Series editor Chris Conroy tweeted, if I had a 
log line to give you, it'd be Twin Peaks meets Dune. This is a weird one, and all the more rewarding for it. He also called it a very intense Mr. Miracle-esque take. That comparison has been made with such repetition, especially among DC staffers, that it's worryingly party line. That said, what I've read of King and Gerard's Mackie series would well suit the sleuth from outer space. I've often noticed the similarities between FBI Special Agent Dale Cooper and Detective John Jones, and cited yet another Kyle McLaughlin vehicle, The Hidden, as a template for a Manhunter movie. Odd that DC reached out to Albert Rosenfield for John and had Coop play Superman instead. Steve Orlando also claims, I've read every solo John issue ever. We will be drawing not just from those, but from Mars literature in general across the last 100 plus years, which would be a first, while also finding time for Space Bar Mitzvah. While I have my misgivings about the sway the modern era series seem to have on this project, the creator has made a lot of smart associations and seems overall to be headed in the right direction. The more I look at the art, the more clever bits I catch, like the solar system contained within the telepathic waves while Jean is addressing the iguana, or that cover where all the parts of Detective Jones in the light are human, while the shadowed portions are Martian. I really dig the swirls and textures across Jean's emotive red eyes. They're whispering sweet somethings in my ear, and I start to swoon, but I've been hurt before. Point 11. The Solicitation. Martian Manhunter number 1, written by Steve Orlando, art and covered by Riley Rosmo, variant covered by Joshua Middleton, blank variant cover available. No matter what you know about Jean Jones, you're not prepared for this. The acclaimed team of writer Steve Orlando and artist Riley Rosmo, Batman the Shadow, Batman, Night of the Monster Men, re-team for a reinvention of the Manhunter from Mars in this twisted, unexpected series. Back on Mars, Jean was about as corrupt as a law officer can be, and when a reckoning comes for his entire society, he'll get a second chance he doesn't want or deserve. One shocking murder, and an unexpected fragment of Mars that he lost will change his life and the course of the Earth forever. Point 12. Twist ending. I've got a reputation for negativity, and I spent an entire post trying to purge my well-founded concerns that DC was going to screw up my guy again. I took in all the information from the Heat Vision article, and I think from this breakdown you can see that I was giving the project the benefit of the doubt. I actually had hoped that this would be a book that I could enjoy, and then the solicitation copy completely ruined it for me. I had questions about Orlando's comparisons to Peter Parker's allowing Uncle Ben's killer to go free after the robbery, and his tragic misreading of Bruce Wayne's origin involving the failure of an eight-year-old to save his parents, which is has been mocked already plenty online. John Jones as a corrupt cop, though, is such a fundamental misinterpretation of anything that has ever been known about the character that it makes me long for the Martian murder bot from the last series. At least that book had Daryl Wessel, Mr. Biscuits, and other fractured aspects of a John Jones I could recognize and who, having been misled about the very nature of his existence, yet defaulted to his essential humanism. There are many ways to play John Jones as a flawed figure in a noir setting, but corrupt is absolutely not one of them. In a noir, Jean is the dupe too naive and idealistic to see the true evil right under his misguided brow. He's beguiled by a femme fatale like Beljuz, or framed for a crime he didn't commit by his best friend Rezeda, or he fails to see the burgeoning sociopathy in his own brother that leads to destruction to his race. All of these are noir tropes that actually fit the character of Jean Jones. He's the sucker who gets in way over his head and pays a heavy price for his mistakes. Part of Jones's appeal is his inherent tenderness, someone a little too sensitive and reserved for this cruel world. He's the soft center of a cool shell, penitent for his missteps and inability to arrest the darkness in others. If this solicitation is a true reflection of Orlando's knowledge of the character, he knows nothing about John Jones. Furthermore, deciding the first canonical comic book series to portray John Jones as a black man is also the perfect time to reveal that he was the Red Planet's answer to Alonzo from Training Day in the current climate is frankly nauseating. I'm not at all sure that I can support such a book. I'm angry and disgusted and heartsick over this unfortunate turn, and I can only hope that there's a misunderstanding on the part of myself or the copywriter. I have strong reservations about placing a pre under these circumstances, but if I do and I find anything like what this copy represents to me, I will drop it like a bad habit. Once again, trust DC Comics to snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory.
Justice League International Bwahaha Podcast, a new monthly show chronicling the adventures of the JLI era by Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMatteis. We'll be going issue by issue in release order, tackling the core Justice League title, Justice League Europe, and the quarterly book. Along the way, we'll take time out for special episodes covering various spin-offs, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and much more. So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as... Martian Manhunter. Batman. Dr. Fate. Black Canary. Fire. Ice. Maxwell Lord. Oberon. Captain Marvel. Rocket Red. Captain Adam. Mr. Miracle. Guy Gardner. Booster Gold. Blue Beetle. Nort. And many, many more. Justice League International, Blahaha Podcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Want to make something of it? Your ego betrays you. Will you not listen to reason? This won't end well for you. Since this episode of the podcast is essentially an audio adaptation of a couple of blog posts, I'll be able to offer something like real-time responses from yourselves. But first, a look at social media. At Facebook, uh, we got attention from Derek William Crabb, Keith G. Baker, Ali Batts, Richard Field, and DeBeige. And on Twitter, telepathic signals were sent out by Alan Middleton, Dr. Ange, Anthony Joseph Loves Alterna Comics, Bat Shapirak, Bill Bear, Bob Buster, Brian Mulvey, Canoes, Cash Flag, Chris Congleton, Chris Sheehan of Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill, Coffee and Comics, Comic Reflections, Darren Ruth Sutherland, Dr. G Nerdologist, Ed Moore Jr. at Miskatonic and Teal Productions, Inigo Montoya, Fan Holes Podcast, Fight Me at Ronmer, Gord Tolton, Grant Richter, Paul Hicks, History of Comics on Film, Jeffrey Brown, Jerry Whitworth, Joe Crawford, John D. Knoll, Justice First Dawn, Justice Trek the Podcast, Keith G. Baker, Kyle Pettit, Laurel Phillips, Let's Talk Martian Manhunter, Lost in Time, Luke Dobb, Matches Baloney, Max Romero, Nerdfix Strangers, Odell Abner Dracula, Randy Caldwell, Reunion Ortiz Luis, Ryan C's Four Color Apocalypse, Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast, Seth Briz, Slangword Resists and Slangword Scott, Steve Chung, Terrence Castanguay, Trekker Talk, Warlord Worlds, Will Montgomery II, Willie Yarbrough, Xenozoic Xenophiles, and Zach. Kevin from New Orleans wrote, I just wanted to thank you for all the time you put into this because Marsh Manor is my favorite. Philemon wrote, Completely agree. I was so-so in the art, but willing to give it a shot. The solicit made me seriously rethink that. Why can't we have just a straightforward, Jean is a detective using his power to solve crime sort of series? Louis Seymour wrote, I thought that was what this series was going to be. Not a Spider-Man-style retcon of Jean's entire story. Shame so much potential can be ruined so quickly. Louis figured that I wouldn't like the solicit from the first issue and noted, It killed my interest entirely, so I can imagine you'll have some strong words for it. See previous. Zach wrote, After reading your blog and following the solicitations for December, I'm now inclined to agree with your caution. Apparently, Steve Orlando is making it a redemption story after being corrupt on Mars. Might work, but all confidence excitement I had has been quelled. Finally, Dr. Ange wrote, quote, Everything sucks. This post saddened me, both because I sympathize with all you said, but then because I also realized I empathize with you. The world in the country right now feels like a cauldron of hate, anger, and division. And even a place of retreat, like comics, at times feels like a battleground. Hang in there, man. We need folks like you on that wall. Like you, I had a lot of optimism going into the series. As you say, I have liked Orlando's stuff on Supergirl once he found his sea legs. And his JLA was a fun book with arcs on a grand scale, so I was ready. And then, like you, I read The Corrupt Word and felt deflated. I'll give it a whirl but I don't think I needed this upheaval. I am all for redemption stories, and perhaps this motivates him to be the hero we know him as. But you have to be pitch perfect for such a radical change to be accepted. Not everything is Alan Moore's anatomy lesson. Fingers crossed. So I've begun 
till November Said I'll be gone till November, I'll be gone till November You tell my girl, you I'll be gone till November I'll be gone till November, I'll be gone till November You tell my girl, you I'll be gone till November January, February, March, April, May I see you crying, but girl, I can't stay I'll be gone till November, I'll be gone till November And give a kiss to my mother Podcast listeners should feel free to leave a comment on one of our blogs, either the Umbrella Rollspine Podcasts or the specific Idle Head of Diablo blog. Both are available quite easily through Google searches. You can also shoot me a tweet at Commander Blanks. That's B-L-A-N-X. Thank you for listening.